With astonishing speed and skill they checked their steeds, wheeled and then came charging round. Soon the three companions found themselves in a ring of horsemen moving in a running circle up the hill slope behind them and down, round and round them and drawing ever in the inwards. Aragon stood silent, and the other two sat without moving, wondering which way things would turn. Without a word or a cry, suddenly the riders halted. A thicket of spears were pointed towards the strangers, and some of the horsemen had bows in hand, and their arrows were already fitted to the string. Then one rode forward, a tall man, taller than all the rest. From his helm as a crest a white horsetail flowed. He advanced until the point of his spear was within a foot of Aragon's breast. Aragon did not stir. "'Who are you, and what are you doing in this land?' said the rider, using the common speech of the West, and in a manner and tone like the speech of Boromir, man of Gondor. "'I am called Strider,' answered Aragon. "'I came out of the north.' I am hunting orcs. The rider leaped from his horse, giving a spear to another who rode up and dismounted at his side. He drew his sword and stood face to face with Aragorn, surveying him keenly, and not without wonder. At length he spoke again. At first I thought you yourselves were orcs, he said, but now I see that is not so. Indeed, you know little of orcs if you go hunting them in this fashion. They are swift and well armed, and they are many. You would have changed from hunters to prey if you had ever overtaken them. But there's something strange about you, Strider. He bent his clear, bright eyes against the ranger. That is no man, no name for a man that you give. And it's strange, too, is your raiment. Have you sprung out of the grass? How did you escape our sight? Are you elvish folk? No, said Aragorn. Only one of us is an elf, Legolas, from the woodland realm in the distant Mirkwood. But we have passed through Lothlorien, and the gifts and favours of the lady go with us. The rider looked at him, with a renewed wonder, but his eyes hardened. Then there is a lady in the golden wood, as the old tales tell. Few escape her nets, they say. Oh, these are strange days. But if you have her favour, then you are also net weavers and sorcerers, maybe. He turned a cold glance suddenly upon Legolas and Gimli. Why do you not speak, silent ones? he demanded. Gimli rose and planted his feet firmly apart. His hand gripped the handle of his axe and his eyes flashed darkly. Give me your name, horsemaster, and I will give you mine and more besides, he said. As for that, said the rider, staring down at the dwarf, the stranger should declare himself first. Yet I am named Eomar, son of Ermin, and called the third marshal of Riddermark. Then Aomer, son of Aomer, third marshal of Riddermark, let Gimli the dwarf, Gleon's son, warn you against such foolish words. You speak evil, that which is fair, beyond all the reach of your thought, and only little wit can excuse you. Eomer's eyes blazed, and the men of Rohan murmured angrily, and closed in, advancing their spears. I would cut off your head, beard and all, master dwarf, if it stood just a little higher from the ground, said Eomer. He stands not alone, said Legolas, bending his bow and fitting an arrow with his hands that moved quicker than sight. You would die before your stroke fell. Emma raised his sword, and things might have gone ill, but Aragorn sprang between them and raised his hands. Your pardon, Emma, he cried. When you know more, you will understand why you have angered my companions. We intend no evil to Rohan or any of its folks, neither man nor horse. Will you not hear our tale before you strike? 
Ila lowered his blade. I will, but wanderers in the Riddermark would be wise to be less haughty in the days of doubt. First, tell me your right name. First, tell me who you serve, said Aragorn. A friend or foe of Sauron, the Dark Lord of Mordor. I serve only the Lord of the Mark, Theoden, son of Thingol, answered Eomer. We do not serve the power of the Black Land far away, but neither are we yet at open war with him. If you are fleeing from him, you had better leave this land. There is trouble now on all our borders, and we are threatened, but we desire only to be free, and to live as we have lived, keeping our own and serving no foreign lord, good or evil. We welcomed guests kindly in better days, but these times an unbidden stranger finds us swift and hard. Come, who are you? Whom do you serve? At whose command do you hunt orcs in our land? I serve no man, said Aragorn, but the servants of Sauron I pursue into whatever land they may go. There are few among mortal men who know more of orcs, and I do not hunt them in this fashion out of choice. The orcs whom we pursued took captive two of my friends. In such need, a man has no horse, will go on foot. He will not ask for leave to follow the trail, nor will he count the heads of the enemy save with a sword. I am not weaponless. Aragorn threw back his cloak. The elven sheath glittered as he grasped it, and the bright blade of Arundel shone like a sudden flame as he swept it out. Lendl, he cried, I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and I am called Alessa the Elfstone, Dunedin, the heir of Isilda, Endel, son of Gondor. Here is a sword that was broken and it is forged again. Will you aid me or thwart me? Choose swiftly. Gimli and Legolas looked at their companion in amazement, for they had not seen him in this mood before. He seemed to have grown in stature while Eomer had shrunk, and in his living face they caught a brief vision of the power and majesty of the kings of stone. For a moment it seemed to the eyes of Legolas that a white flame flickered on the brows of Aragorn like a shining crown. Elmer stepped back and looked of awe was on his face. He cast down his proud eyes. These are indeed strange days, he muttered. Dreams and legends sprung to life out of the grass. Tell me, Lord, he said, what brings you here? And what was the meaning of the dark words? Long has Boromir, son of Denethor, been gone seeking for an answer. And the horse that we lent him came back riderless. What doom do you bring out of the north? The doom of choice, said Aragorn. You may say this to Theoden, son of Thangil. Open war lies before him, with Saragon or against him. None may live now as they have lived, and few shall keep what they call their own. But of these great matters we will speak later. If chance allowed, if chance allows it, I will come myself to the king. Now I am in great need, and I ask for help, or at least for tidings. You heard that we were pursuing an orc host that carried off our friends. What can you tell us? That you need not pursue them further, said Eomer. The orcs are destroyed. And our friends? We found none but orcs. That's strange indeed, said Aragorn. Did you search the slain? Were there no bodies other than those of orc kind? They would be small, only children in your eyes, but unshod and clad in grey. There were no dwarves nor children, said Eomer. We counted all the slain and despoiled them, and then we piled the carcasses and burned them, as is our custom. The ashes are smoking still. We do not speak of dwarves or children, said Gimli. Our friends were hobbits. Hobbits, said Eomer. And what are they? That's a strange name. A strange name for strange folk, said Gimli. But these were very dear to us. It seems to us you have heard in Rohan of the words that troubled Minas Tirith. They spoke of halfling. 
These hobbits are halflings. Halflings, laughs the writer that stood behind Eomer. Halflings, but they're only a little people in old songs and children tales out of the north. Do we walk in legends or on the green earth in daylight? A man may do both, said Aragorn, for not we, but those who come after may make legends of our time. The green earth, say you. That is a mighty matter of legend, though you treaded it under the light of day. Time is pressing, said the writer, not heeding Aragorn. We must hasten southward. Let us leave these wild folks to their fancies, or let us bind them and take them to the king. Peace, Eothan, said Eomer in his own tongue. Leave me a while. Tell the Eorid to assemble in the path, and make ready to ride to the Entway. Muttering, Eothan retired and spoke to the others. Soon they drew off and left Eomer alone with the three companions. All that you say is strange, Aragorn, he said. Yet you speak the truth, that is plain. The men of the mark do not lie, and therefore they are not easily deceived. But you have not told all. Will you now speak more fully of your errand, so that I may not judge what to do? I set out from Amaldris, as it is named in the rhyme many weeks ago, answered Aragorn. With me went Boromir of Minas Tirith. My errand was to go to that city with the son of Denethor, to aid his folk in their war against Sauron. But the company that I journeyed with had other business, of that I cannot speak now. Gandalf the Grey was our leader. Oh, Gandalf, Emo Gandalf, uh, Emo exclaimed. Gandalf Greyham is known in the mark, but his name, I warn you, is no longer a password to the king's favour. He has been a guest in the land many times, in the memory of men coming as he will, after a season or after many years. He is ever the herald of strange events, a bringer of evil, some now say. Indeed, since his last coming in the summer, all things have gone amiss. At that time, our trouble with Saruman began. Until then, we counted Saruman our friend, but Gandalf came then and warned us that sudden war was preparing in Isengard. He said that he himself had been prisoner in Orthnack and had hardly escaped, and he begged for help. But Theoden wouldn't listen to him, and he went away. Speak not the name of Gandalf loudly in Theoden's ears. He is wroth. For Gandalf took the horse that is called Shadowfax, the most precious of all the king's steeds, chief of Marius, of which the Lord Mark, only the Lord of the Mark may ride. For the sire of their race was the great horse Earl that was known in the speech of men. Seven nights ago Shadowfax returned, but the king's anger is not less, for now the horse is wild and will not let any man handle him. Then Shadowfax has found his way alone from the far north, said Aragorn. For it was there that he and Gandalf parted. But alas, Gandalf will ride no longer. He fell into darkness in the mines of Moria and comes not again. Oh, that is heavy tidings, said Eomer, at least to me and to many, though not to all, as you may find, if you come to the king. It is tidings more grievous than any in this land can understand, though it may touch them sorely ere the year is much older, said Aragorn. But when the great fall... The less must lead. My part, it has been guide to our company on the long road from Moria. Through Lorien we came, of which we were well, uh, of which it were well that you should learn the truth ere you speak of it again. And thence down the leagues of the great river to the falls of Rauros. There, Boromir was slain by the same orcs whom you destroyed. Oh, your news is all of woe, cried Eomer in dismay. Great harm is this death to minister and to us all. That was a worthy man. All spoke his praise. 
He came seldom to the mark, for he was ever in the wars on the east borders, but I have seen him. More like to the swift sons of Earl than to the grave men of Gondor, he seemed to me, and likely to prove a great captain of his people when his time came. But we've had no word of this grief out of Gondor. When did he fall? It is now the fourth day since he was slain, answered Aragorn, and since the evening of that day we have journeyed from the shadow of Tol Brandir. On foot, cried Eomer. Yes, even as you see us. Wide wonder came to Eomer's eyes. Strider is too poor a name, son of Arathorn. Wingfoot, I name you. This deed of the three friends shall be sung in many a hall. Forty leagues and five you have measured ere the fourth day has ended. Hardy is the race of Elendil. But now, Lord, what would you have me do? I must return in haste to Theoden. I spoke wearily before my men. It is true that we are not yet at open war with the Black Land, but there are some close to the king's ear that speak craven counsel. And war is coming. We shall not forsake our old alliance with Gondor, and while they fight we shall aid them. So say I and all men who hold with me. The East Mark is my charge, the ward of the Third Marshal, and I've removed our herds and herd folk, withdrawing them beyond Entwash, and leaving none here but the guards and the swift scouts. Then you will not pay tribute to Sauron, said Gimli. We do not, and we never have, said Eomer, with a flash in his eyes. Though it comes to my ears that that lie has been told. Some years ago, the Lord of the Black Land wished to purchase horses at a great price, but we refused him, for he puts those beasts to evil use. Then he sent plundering orcs, and they carry off what they can, choosing always the black horses. Few of them are now left. For that reason, our feud with the orcs is bitter. But at this time, our chief concern is with Saruman. He has claimed lordship over this land, and there's been war between us for many months. He has taken orcs into his service, and wolf riders and evil men, and has closed the gap against us, so that we're likely to be beset both east and west. It is ill-dealing with such a foe. He is a wizard, both cunning and dwarf crafty, having many guises. He walks here and there, they say, as an old man, hooded and cloaked, very much like Gandalf, as many now recall. His spies slip through every net, and his birds of ill omen are broad in the sky. I do not know how it will all end, and my heart misgives me, for it seems to me that his friends do not all dwell in guise and guard. But if you come to the king's house, you'll see for yourself. Will you come? I do hope in vain that you have been sent to me for help in doubt and need. I will come when I may, said Aragorn. Come now, said Aragorn. The heir of Elendil will be strength indeed to the sons of Earl in this evil tide. There is battle even now upon the western net, and I fear that I may, it may go ill for us. Indeed in this riding north I went without the king's leave, for in my absence his house is left with little guard. But scouts warned me of orc hosts coming down the east wall three nights ago, and among them they reported that some bore the white badges of Saruman. So suspecting what I most fear, a league between Orthnak and the Dark Tower, I led forth my Ered, men of my own household, and we overtook the orcs at nightfall two days ago near the borders of Entwood. There we surrounded them and gave battle yesterday at dawn. Fifteen of my men and I lost, and twelve horses, alas, for the orcs were greater in number than we counted on. Others joined them, coming out of the east across the great river. Their trail was plain to see a little north of the spot, and others, too, came out of the forest. Great orcs who also bore the white hand of Isengarth. That kind is stronger and more fell than all the others. Nevertheless, we put an end to them. But we've been too long away. We're needed south and west. 
Come, will you not come? There are spare horses, as you see. There is work for the sword to do. Yes, and we could find a use for Gimli's axe and the bow of Legolas, if you are part of my rash words concerning the Lady of the Wood. I spoke only as all men in my land, and I would be glad to learn better. I thank you for your fair words, said Aragorn, and my heart desires to come with you, but I cannot desert my friends while hope remains. Hope does not remain, said Aylmer. You will not find your friends in the North Waters. Yet my friends are not behind. We found a clear token not far from the east wall that one at least of them was still alive there. But between the wall and the downs we found no other trace of them and no trail turned aside this way or that unless my skill has wholly left me. Then what do you think has become of them? I, I don't know. They may become slain and burned among the orcs. But that you say is not so. And so I do not fear it. I can only think that they were carried off into the forest before the battle. Even before encircled you, you encircled your foes maybe. Can you swear that none escaped your net in such a way? I would swear that no orc escaped after we sighted them, said Emir. We reached the forest eaves before them, and if after that any living thing broke our ring, it was no orc. It must have had some elvish power. Our friends were attired even as we are, said Aragorn, and you passed us under the full light of day. Ah, oh, I've forgotten that, said Emir. It's hard to be sure of anything amongst so many marvels. The world has all grown strange. Elf and dwarf and company walk in the daily fields, and folk speak of the Lady of the Wood, and yet live. And the sword comes back to war that was broken in the long ages ere the fathers of our fathers rode into the mark. How shall a man judge what to do in such times? As he has ever judged, said Aragorn. Good and ill have not changed since yesteryear, nor are they the one thing amongst elves and dwarves and another amongst men. It is a man's part to discern them, as much as the golden wood is in his own house. True indeed, said Amir. I do not doubt you, nor the deed which my heart would do. Yet I am not free to do all as I would, or could. It is against our law to let strangers wander at will in our land, until the king himself has given them leave, and more strict is the command in these days of peril. I have begged you to come back willingly with me, and you will not. Loath am I to begin a battle of one hundred against three. I do not think your law has been made for such a chance or season, said Aragorn. Nor indeed am I a stranger, for I have been in this land before, more than once, and ridden with the host of Rohim, through under other names and other guise. You and I have not seen before, for you are young, but I have spoken with Erm and your father, and Theod and Sangathengel. Never in former days would any high lord of this land have constrained a man to abandon such a quest as mine. My duty, at least, is clear, to go on. Come now, son of Eamon, the choice must be made at last. Aid us? Or at the worst, let us go free, or seek to carry out your law. If you do so, there will be fewer to return your war or your king. Eamon was silent for a moment, then spoke. We both have need of haste, he said. My company chafes to be away, and every hour lessens your hope. This is my choice. You may go, and what is more, I will lend you horses. This only I ask. When your quest is achieved, or is proved in vain... Return with the horses over Entwant to Methuselah, the high house in Eridurus where Theoden now sits. Thus you shall prove to him that I have not misjudged. In this I place myself, and maybe my very life, in the keeping of your good faith. Do not fail. I will not, said Aragorn.
There was great wonder and many dark and doubtful glances amongst his men when Aomer gave the orders that the spare horses were to be lent to the strangers. But only Ethan dared to speak openly. It may well be enough for the lord of the race of Gondor, as he claims, but who has heard of a horse of the mark being given to a dwarf? No one, said Gimli, and do not trouble, no one will ever hear of it. I'd sooner walk than sit in the back of any beast so great, free or begrudged. But you must ride now, or you'll hinder us, said Aragorn. Come, you shall sit beside me, friend Gimli, said Legolas. Then all will be well, and you need neither borrow a horse nor be troubled by one. A great dark grey horse was brought to Aragorn, and he mounted it. Hasufal is his name, said Eomer. May he bear you well into better days. And better fortune than is Gareth, the late master of them. A small and lighter horse, but restive and fiery, was brought to Legolas. Arod was his name. But Legolas asked him to take off the saddle and rein. I need them not, he said, and he leapt lightly up, and to their wonder Arod was tame and willing beneath them, moving here and there with but spoken word. Such was the elvish way with all good beasts. Gimli was lifted up behind his friend, and he clung to him, not much more at ease than Sam Ganji in a boat. Farewell, and may you find what you seek, cried Irma. Return with what speed you may, and let our swords hereafter shine together. I will come, said Aragorn. And I will come too, said Gimli. The matter of the Lady Galadriel still lies between us. I have yet to teach you the gentle speech. We shall see, said Eomer. So many strange things have chanced that to learn the praise of a fair lady under the loving strokes of a dwarf's axe will seem no great wonder. Farewell. With that they parted. Very swift were the horses of Rohan. When after a little Gimli looked back, the company of Eomer were already small and far away. Aragorn did not look back. He was watching the trail as they sped on their way, bending low with his head beside the neck of Hussifel. Before long they came to the borders of Entwash, and there they met the other trail of which Eomer had spoken, coming down from the east out of the wold. Aragorn dismounted and surveyed the ground. Then leaping back onto the saddle, he rode away some distance eastward, keeping to one side and taking care not to override the footprints. And then again he dismounted and examined the ground, going backwards and forwards on foot. There is little to discover, he said when he returned. The main trail is all confused with the passage of the horsemen as they came back. Their outward course must have lain nearer to the river, but this eastward trail is fresh and clear. There's no sign there of any feet going any other way, back towards Anduin. Now we must ride slower and make sure that no trace of footstep branches off on either side. The orcs must have been aware from this point that they were being pursued, and they may have made some attempt to get their captives away before they were overtaken. As they rode forward, the day was overcast. Low grey clouds came over the wold. A mist shrouded the sun. Ever nearer, the tree-clad slopes of Fangorn gloomed, slowly darkling as the sun went west. They saw no sign of any trail to the right or left, but here and there they passed single orcs, fallen in their tracks as they ran, with grey-feathered arrows sticking in their back or throat. At last, as the afternoon was waning, they came to the eaves of the forest. In an open glade amongst the first trees, they found the place of great burning. The ashes were still hot and smoking. Beside it was a great pile of helms and mail, cloven shields and broken swords, bows and darts and the other gear of war. Upon a stake in the middle was set a great goblin head. Upon its shattered helm, the white badge could still be seen. Further away, not far from the river where it came streaming out from the edge of the wood, was a mound. It was newly raised. 
the raw earth was covered with fresh cut turves. About it were planted fifteen spears. Aragorn and his companions searched far and wide about the field of battle, but the night light faded and evening soon drew down, dim and misty. By nightfall, they had discovered no trace of Merry and Pippin. We can do no more, said Gimli sadly. We've been set many riddles since we came to Tolbrandir, but this is the hardest to unravel. I would guess that the burned bones of hobbits are now mingled with the orcs. This will be hard news for Frodo if he lives to hear it, and hard too for the old hobbit who waits in Rivendell. Aron was against their coming. But Gandalf was not, said Legolas. But Gandalf chose to come himself, and he was the first to be lost, answered Gimli. His foresight has failed him. The council of Gandalf was not founded on foreknowledge of safety for himself or for others, said Aragorn. There are some things that it is better to begin than to refuse, even though in the end it may be dark. But I shall not depart from this place yet. In any case, we must here await the morning light. A little way beyond the battlefield, they came to their camp and spread under a tree. It looked like a chestnut, and yet it still bore many broad brown leaves of a former year, like dry hands with long splayed fingers. They rattled mournfully in the night breeze. Gimli shivered. They had brought only the one blanket apiece. Let us light a fire, he said. I care no longer for the danger. Let the orcs come as thick as summer moths around a candle. If those unhappy hobbits are astray in the woods, it might draw them hither, said the Legolas, said Legolas. And it might draw other things, neither orc nor hobbits, said Aragorn. We are near to the mountain marches of the traitor Saruman. Also, we are on the very edge of Fangorn, and it is perilous to touch the trees of that wood, it is said. But the Rohim made a great burning here yesterday, said Gimli, and they felled for the fire. They, the trees have felled there, it can be seen. Yet they passed the night after save who? when their labour was ended. But they were many, said Aragorn, and they do not heed the wrath of Fangorn, because they come here seldom, and do not go under the trees. But our paths are likely to lead us to the very forest itself, so have care, cut no living wood. There is no need, said Gimli, the riders have left chip and bow enough, and there's dead wood lying in plenty. He went off to gather fuel, and busied himself with building and kindling a fire. But Aragorn sat silent with his back to the great tree, deep in thought, and Legolas stood alone in the open, looking towards the profound shadow of the wood, leaning forward, as one who listens to voices calling from a distance. When the dwarf had a small bright blaze going, and the three companions drew close to it and sat together, shrouding the light with their hooded forms, Legolas looked up to the boughs of the tree reaching out above them. Look, the tree is glad of the fire. It may have been that the dancing shadows tripped their eyes, but it certainly to each of the companions seemed that the bows appeared to be bending this way and that, so as to come above the flames while the upper branches were stooping down. The brown leaves now stood out stiff and rubbed together like many cold, cracked hands taking comfort in the warmth. There was a silence, for suddenly the dark and unknown forest, so near at hand, made itself felt like a great brooding presence. presence full of secret purpose. After a while, Legolas spoke again. Celeborn warned us not to go far into Fangorn, he said. Do you know why, Aragorn? What are the fables of the forest that Boromir had heard? 
I've heard many tales in Gondor and elsewhere, said Aragorn, but if it were not for the words of Celeborn, I should deem them only fables that men have made, as true knowledge fades. I thought of asking you what the truth of the matter was, and if an elf of the wood does not know, how should a man know? You have journeyed further than I, said Legolas, and I have heard nothing of this on my own land, save only songs that tell us how the Onodrum, that men called Ents, dwelt here long ago. For Fangorn is old, old even as the elves would reckon it. Yes, it is old, said Aragorn, as old as the forest by the Barrowdowns, and it is far greater. Elrond says that the two are akin, the last strongholds of the mighty woods of the elder days, in which the firstborn roamed while men slept. Yet Fangorn holds some secrets of its own. What it is, I do not know. And I do not wish to know, said to Gimli. Let nothing that dwells in Fangorn be troubled on my account. They now drew lots for the watches, and the, for, the lot for the first watch fell to Gimli. The others lay down. Almost at once, sleep laid hold on them. Gimli, said Aragorn drowsily, remember it is perilous to cut bow or twig from living tree in Fangorn. But do not stray far and search for dead wood. Let the fire die and instead. Call me if you need me. With that, he fell asleep. Legolas already lay motionless, his fair hands folded upon his chest, his eyes unclosed, blending living night and deep dream, as is the way of elves. Gimli sat hunched by the fire, running his thumb thoughtfully along the edge of his axe. The tree rustled. There was no other sound. Suddenly Gimli looked up and there was just on the edge of the firelight an old bent man leaning on a staff and wrapped in a great cloak. His wide-brimmed hat was pulled over his eyes. Gimli sprang up, too amazed for the moment to cry out, though at once the thought flashed into his mind that Saruman had caught them. Both Aragorn and Legolas, roused by the sudden movement, sat up and stared. The old man did not speak or make a sign. Well, father, what can we do for you, said Aragorn, leaping to his feet. Come and be warm if you are cold. He strode forward, but the old man was gone. There was no trace of him to be found near at hand, and they did not dare to wander far. The moon had set, the night, uh, set and the night was very dark. Suddenly Legolas gave a cry. The horses! The horses! The horses were gone! They had dragged their pickets and disappeared. For some time the three companions stood still, troubled by this new stroke of ill fortune. They were under the eaves of Fangorn, and the endless leagues lay between them and the men of Rohan, their only friends in this wide and dangerous land. As they stood, it seemed to them that they heard far from the night the sound of horses whinnying and neighing. Then all was quiet again, except for the cold rustle of the wind. They're gone, said Aragorn at last. We cannot find them or catch them, so that if they do not return of their own will, we must do without. We started on our feet, and we have those still. Feet, said Gimli. We cannot eat them as well as walk on them. He threw some fuel in the fire and slumped down beside it. Only a few hours ago you were unwilling to sit on the horse of Rohan, laughed Legolas. You will make a rider yet. It seems unlikely I shall have the chance, said Gimli. If you wish to know what I think, he began after a while, I think it was Saruman. Who else? Remember the words of Irma. He walks about like an old man hooded and cloaked. Those are the words. He's gone off with our horses or scared them away, and here we are. There's more trouble coming to us, mark my words. 
I mark them, said Aragorn. But I marked also that this old man had a hat, not a hood. Still, I do not doubt that you guess right, and that we are in peril here by day or night. Yet in the meantime, there's nothing that we can do but rest while we may. I will watch for a while now, Gimli. I have more need of thought than of sleep. The night passed slowly. Legolas followed Aragorn, and Gimli followed Legolas, and their watches wore away. But nothing happened. The old man did not appear again, and the horses did not return. <laughs>